every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. God, we thank you that you have given us your word. You've given us a body of believers to encourage us. You've given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, you've given us, Lord God, yourself to come and reside in us. God, we ask, Lord, that as this year unfolds, Lord God, that we would not as a furnace live on steady burn. We ask that we would not fizzle out, but God, that we would be a fiery tribe, a fellowship of burning hearts. And as the days go by, our hearts would get fierier and fierier, that our love for you would grow hotter and hotter, that we, Lord Jesus, would be like those of old, Lord God, those apostles that gave even their lives. God, those throughout church history that have followed you 100% from those that lived in prayer and devotion and fasting in a disciplined way to those that gave their lives literally overseas and around the world in the expansion of the gospel. Jesus, we do not want to live in the most lethargic age and become lethargic. In an, er- in an era of materialism, Lord God, we ask that we would come out, that we would be separate, that we would be detached from this world. And God, we, we ask that you would escort us, that you would help us. We need your grace, God. We need your strength. Amen. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about living the vow. All of you took uh, the vow. Some of you took it years ago. Some of you have taken it while in high school and then again in college. And yes, now I'm running into people that took it as even a junior higher, and now they're here. And so, oh, how the years go by. But anyway, and so um, you've taken this vow, this vow, and uh, I'm going to talk tonight uh, uh, one big kind of overall idea uh, that I, I want to press on. And then I'm taking the next five weeks. I'm going to do a little series here called Living the Vow. Uh, and tonight it'll be kind of a, uh, a, 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 a banner over all of them. And then the ne- next week we'll do desperate pursuit. The next week, diligent prayer. The next week, consecrated heart. And the next week, focused life. And tonight I want to press in on the reality that to do this vow is not comfortable. And for you to make it long term will be threatened and challenged. And my prayer for you is that at the conclusion of this year, mid-May, when we go and we stand together and many of you receive a ring and you say, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering, my passion is that you won't have given up or settled for less than all that God has. And I want to hit on something tonight. I want to touch on something. I want to I just kind of prepare you. This is like... This is like, I'm your bud, I'm your friend, we're locking arms in the journey, and let me just tell you a little bit about what inevitably will happen if you live this fervently. Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, this is Jesus, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with them, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And the woman was healed, oh, sorry, uh, 
Uh, just, 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 let, me re, let me read that again. She says, if I only touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowds had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread throughout the whole region. So Jesus is walking around and Jesus has just healed a man of leprosy. Jesus has just healed the centurion servant just, just prior. Just prior, Jesus had literally cast out demons out of people. He had healed a paralyzed man. He had calmed the storm. And Jesus is the guy who's healing people. Jesus is this young rabbi. He shows up. He's on the scene. And he's literally walking around healing people. And Jairus, we know from another gospel that this man's name is Jairus who comes to him. Jairus comes to him and he says, Jesus, hey, I want you to come heal my daughter. And Jesus says, I'll go with you. And it's not like Jairus and Jesus show up and they show up to a house where Jairus is living on yesteryear's faith for the miracle for his daughter to be healed. On the journey to the house, a lady comes, touches Jesus' cloak, and is healed, and Jairus sees it. Now, you'd think that if that happened, Jairus would get to the house, and Jairus would be the largest heralder, I mean proclaimer, I mean declarer of, hey, this man, Jesus, he's a healer. This man, Jesus, look out, guys. Guess what happened on the way here? Not only did I go to find Jesus so that he could come and heal my daughter, but also on the way here, let me tell you the good news of what happened. But we don't find that. Instead, what happens is they arrive at the house. They get there. The flute players are playing. Now, we're not familiar with flute players playing. We think of a high school band and, you know, some, you know, big guy on a piccolo or something. This, it, this is not like... Do, 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 happy day. This is morning. This is a part of their custom. Part of their custom was it was morning. And when it says the crowd was noisy, it's referring to probably weeping and wailing. Like out loud wailing. It's the beginning of the demonstration that she's already dead. So the flute playing is a part of the morning process. And then the wailing, the noisy crowd, it's, it's a statement, she's died. And Jesus makes this statement. This girl is not dead, but asleep. And you think, you'd think that they would go, whoa, that's good news. <laughs> She's alive. You'd think that in that moment, they would smile big and go, hey, the God man has showed up. The one who is known all throughout the region for healing people. In fact, the one that just this very day has just healed someone. Jairus, you'd think, would stand up and go, dudes, you're not going to believe this, but Jesus healed someone here. When he says, She's asleep. She's asleep. This is a good day. There's no response like that. No. Instead, cross their arms, look at him, look at Jesus, and they laugh at him. They laugh. Think about it. Think about the God who becomes a man and has already started his ministry. Not only was he 
supernatural birth, not only has he come about and already been, I mean, thousands and thousands gathered to hear him preach only a few chapters prior. The guy, everybody knows who he is. And rather than in that moment possessing faith, you are who you say you are. Yeah. You are the one that heals. You are that, 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 that sermon back on the mount that wasn't bad. You probably do possess some authority. You already healed a lady today. We'll take you at your word and believe you. That's not the reply. The reply is they laughed at him. The New King James says they ridiculed him. Ridicule. It's ridiculous. Come on, man. And you just think maybe the philosophers are thinking, come on, this isn't logical. The doctors that are in the crowd, they're going, they're laughing at him. They're going, come on, I've already seen that she's dead. The parents, maybe frustrated. This isn't funny. How dare you say that statement? She's already died. No matter how you look at it, the, the scriptures show they don't take Jesus at his word. Instead, they look to their own intellect, they look to what their own eyes have seen, and in response to what their brains can comprehend, they pull out and they go, ha, ha, and they scoff. Now, I just wonder how Jesus... What Jesus is thinking in this moment, you know? I mean, Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows his history. Jesus knows his present tense. He knows he was God. He knows he's just been doing miracles. He knows he, it seems like he accidentally heals people who touched me. I mean, Jesus is like, he knows the power that exists within him. He knows that he's God. He knows where he's going. He knows that he's going to go sit with his father. He knows that he's going to die. I mean, he knows who he is. He knows who he is. And so Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't pull out and go, oh yeah, she's dead. What was I thinking? Maybe. Imagine if Jesus did. Imagine if he pulled out and goes, yeah, I don't know. You guys are mocking me, laughing at me a little bit here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, man. What, 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 what am I thinking? Maybe I'm not all that. Maybe, maybe I should buy into what you're thinking and the reality that you see in your own natural mind, unrenewed, unconnected to who I am. But you know the story. Jesus doesn't do that. Why would these people laugh? That's my question tonight. Why would they laugh? It's not like they were scoffers to begin with. We're talking about Jairus who's already left his house to go find Jesus. We're talking about people that once believed. We're not talking about scoffers. We're talking about people at one time that believed. Jesus goes in. And I just love this phrase. She got up. Not that elaborate, just the scripture, she got up. It's done. 
and she raised from the dead. You know, as you look towards living the vow, desperate pursuit, diligent prayer, consecrated heart, focused life, we've tied some things we're committed to around here. Spending time with Jesus every day, going to a lot of prayer meetings, fasting, talking about your purpose, developing a mission that goes beyond a comfortable retirement, a cushy car, good health insurance and a happy life. We're talking about a mission statement that's all about eternity and the glory of Jesus. Now here's what I wanna tell you. Here's what's gonna happen over the next nine months. You're gonna see and define your tomorrow. You're gonna define your life. You're gonna define your future. You're gonna define how you see things according to Jesus. And you're gonna take him at his word. And Jesus says things like, when you fast. Jesus set examples like getting up early in the morning to go pray. And as you take Jesus at his word, ask, seek, knock. And you just take him straight at his word and you just put it out there and you just go, I'm just gonna fall, I'm just gonna believe and I'm gonna take the red letters, what Jesus has already said, and I'm gonna believe that his word is true, and I'm gonna take him for what he said. It may not be a dead girl that raises, but if you take Jesus at his word, your dead heart will raise. If, if you take Jesus at his word, you just go, I'm just gonna take the basic principles in the Bible and I'm just gonna take this, I'm gonna take this reality. It says that Jesus often got up, he went away to be with his father. If you just take that at, if Jesus wants to get alone with his father, why shouldn't I? Ought that be me? You know, Jesus looks at this and Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Matthew 14, 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Why? To get away from the crowds, to be with his father. Matthew 4, 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Jesus Sets an example, he goes, and he looks pretty crazy to the rest of society, and he goes to the wilderness to pray and to fast. But if you'll take Jesus at his word, you'll just take the scriptures, James 4, 8, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. You'll just take Jesus at his word. God, I'm gonna get alone with you, spend time with you, I'm gonna know you. Jesus can raise your dead heart, and he will. If you'll just take Jesus at his word, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. Everyone that asks, everyone that seeks, everyone that knocks, the door is open. James 4, 2, it says, you have not because you ask not. If you just go, God, I'm gonna take you at your word, and I don't know what the scoffers are gonna say, but I'm not gonna define my reality based upon how they've chosen to live as a cynic without faith in Jesus. I'm gonna take you at your word and I'm gonna pray for a generation. I'm gonna take you at your word and I'm gonna 
do whatever I can, live on whatever sacrifice I can to get on airplanes and go overseas to reach my generation or get on a bus to go around the, na- around the nation to go reach a generation or uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice much that I can pray or I'm gonna give up Wednesday nights working at Red Robin so I can help Brent at tag or I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something for the sake of my generation. Scoffers of the day, crazy. But those that take Jesus at his word, they go, he raised a dead girl. He raised my dead heart. He'll raise a dead generation. He'll raise a generation that's entrenched and locked into immorality. A generation that's addicted to entertainment so they don't even have time to connect with the barrenness of their own spirit. He'll raise a dead generation if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray from their wicked ways if my people he'll, he'll raise a dead generation and here's what I want to tell you tonight as you step into this and as you start to march in this and you go yes I'm going to believe it. I'm going to take Jesus at his word and when the we live in that moment we live in a crisis we live in a moment where we have the word of God we have when Jesus says she's only asleep and they faced well that's not what I see we live that's our that's, that's how we live we live here's the word of God And we live facing day in and day out where the rest of the world is defining reality based upon their own mind, the philosophy of the day, and how they can untangle intellectual knots with their own brain. And Jesus' word has no power over them. And so when we say, now, he said that he would raise her. He said that she's only sleeping. Most people scoff, laugh, and go, you stupid idiot. Why? Ha! I've got a degree in this. I'm 23 years old. I'm practically brilliant. I've prayed before and didn't see a miracle. I've grown up in an economy where the dollar is the God. And I've learned the hard way that we have to give all for financial security. So don't start coming after me with your Bible. Don't start pressing and believing. And I'm telling you, friends, when you start to just take this, and I'm not talking take what I'm saying. I'm not just taking, take this. Just start reading Jesus. And Jesus is saying things like Matthew 6, when you fast, what are you going to do with that? Some people look back and they go, fasting is for freaks and weirdos. You go, I know, but Jesus did it. And he said, when you fast. Jesus said in Matthew 9 that when he leaves, his disciples would fast. I'm a disciple. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in a quandary. I'm just saying when you take Jesus at his word, I'm not talking about a preacher. I'm not talking about someone's book or blog. I'm talking about you alone with God in the secret place and this Bible starts to come alive and you're reading him and all of a sudden there's, there's a tension when you start to take it and go, I'm gonna believe it. And you will run into so many scoffers at you and they go desperate pursuit it's cute you're gonna have those devos i did that back in my 20s <laughs> ask youthful zeal you'll burn out one day pretty soon you'll figure out that the way to do it is attend church smile big pretend like you know god 
keep some good morals so that you, so that you feel good about yourself. You'll run into pagans. What? You pray to who? He's invisible? You're stupid. What are you, crazy? Scoffers. I'm just telling you. I'm not putting them down. I'm telling you what you're going to face. I'm not here preaching to the radicals and slamming them. I'm just telling you, you are the radicals and you're going to be among them. You better have this ready in your spirit. You better be prepared because when you start to intensify and you start to say, all right, I'm living in grace and grace is not the thing that enables me not to follow God. Grace is the thing that empowers me to follow as hard as I can after God. And I've received grace and I know grace. Therefore, I want to spend more time with God. Therefore, I want to pray. Therefore, I want to fast. Therefore, I want a mission for my life that has meaning and depth. You will run into scoffers. They will look at you as they did Jesus and laugh. Trust me, if the God of the ages who's out doing miracles, if they laugh at him, they're going to laugh at little peewee us when we read our Bibles and are just glad when we heal a headache. God heals a headache through us. If they mock Jesus, how much more are they going to mock you? They have, when they have the God of the ages in their midst and they're still a laughing at him, he'll be laughed at. Paul says, yeah, our journey, our, our way is foolish to the unrenewed mind. And you will be perceived as foolish. You'll be perceived as crazy. Laughed at. Number one, we're gonna try to live in desperate pursuit. We're gonna look at Jesus and we're gonna say, Jesus, our whole life is about you. You're our example. You're our hero. You're who we study. You're who fascinates us. The knowledge of Jesus is what we love. The power of Jesus is what we're filled with. Jesus, you're everything to us. Who do we want to be like? Who do we want to be like? Jesus. Who is this about? Jesus. And that starts to get inside. We'll take his example start prayer journals, start reading books, start, instead of trying to just fill out a card, you'll start to get in here and this desire to be with him and you'll want to find times between this class and this class or this class and this shift at Starbucks and growing hunger, I just want to, I'm going to spend time with him. It's what I love. It's who I'm committed to what I'm passionate about. When it comes to prayer meetings, you're going to be doing three prayer meetings a week. Desperate pursuit. Can I tell you, when you start spending time with Jesus every day, how many people are going to call you nuts? How many scoffers will arise? They will come out and go, dude, and it's not like this. It's not like on the playground. It's not like, nanny, nanny, hey, Joe, you're crazy. You know, I'm not talking about that. It's not what it looks like. You're adults now. <laughs> kind of. Almost. A couple of you. Most of you. 
except for Michael Knowlton. All of you, <laughs> but here's, it doesn't look like that. It's not a nanny nanny thing. Here's what it looks like. What? You're doing what again? It's cool. If it works for you, man. All right, and relativism. Ah, whatever floats your boat, dude. All right. There's a cynical spirit. You know, if you really understood the way to spend your time, you would define your hours based upon how to get more influence, more money, and more comfort in the next 50 years. They don't say that but it's deeply embedded in them. And you face it. Because ultimately what that is, is, bro, it's really better to live for yourself. (laughs) This whole giving your life to the one who sits enthroned forever and all that, I don't know about it. Let me show you a better way. Entertainment, more sleep, more money, Anything you want, you can have. You'll face it. And sometimes it'll be color-coded. I'm just talking about what's best for you, man. I mean, yeah. And you know what? I, like, I'm a Christian too, and so like, I just feel like you know, the Lord spoke to me one time that like, I needed 18 hours of sleep a day and <laughs> that fasting was for losers. I go, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It's a, it's a new revelation. I got it, you know? Tell you know what you know what a part of a pastor does? You know when you know you, you know when Jesus is talking about a shepherd, half of what a pastor does, it's not just like the shepherd is like sweet and holds the little lamb. A shepherd was a bad old boy that beat the tar out of wolves. <laughs> and I have seen so many college students get allured into lethargy by false philosophies yeah. that are not biblical, but some genius in study hall came up with how to live for themselves and influence my friends that lethargy and Christianity can coexist. But my Jesus in Revelation 3 calls it puke. And I can't figure this out. You will have friends. Wink, smile. Dude, come on. Every day, ooh. When it comes to prayer meetings, it's gonna get worse. I'm just beating the tar to you guys tonight. It's this just, I'm miserable. I want you to be miserable too. <laughs> Misery loves company. I'm telling you, when it comes to prayer meetings, when you start saying, when, when you start talking to your buds, and it, it, they'll be cool with it for a while. They'll be like, DMAR, that's cool for a while, man. Yeah, that's cool. But a year later, you're still praying every night. What are you, loony? What are you, crazy? Well, I don't know. Paul calls it foolish for Jesus. Yeah. I like the way Keith Green says it. He says Christianity is bananas for Jesus. Call it what you want. You will have this over and over and over again. And you gotta be prepared for it. And what I'm not trying to produce is an elite spirit that goes, mm-hmm. If you get that, Jesus will beat the tower out of you until you're humble. He did. He said, fall on the rock or the rock will fall on you. 
So if you get arrogant and cocky, you can guarantee, A, you won't have an open heaven. B, Jesus will start making you suffer because he loves you so much. <laughs> You're going to run into this. And when you start to believe, here's what happens. When you start coming after here night after night, and you start to believe prayer matters. When you start to believe, when I pray, God works. And prayer isn't just something that changes my heart towards what already exists. Prayer actually changes the world. The philosophies of the day will say you're a nutcase. And friends, if we're going to believe the Bible, if we're going to believe the scriptures, we are those that say, yes, God is the creator. Yes, God is good. I can't explain all the bad things, but deep in my heart, God, I know he is good. Yes, I know that he's holy. Yeah, I believe that prayer matters. And people look at what? Be ready. Be ready. And you think it's bad with spending time with God and prayer? Just wait till you start fasting. Then they really think you're a freak. I remember one of my buds, he called me. I was 19. We were at two different colleges, two different universities across the country. And he called me and he said, David, I have the word from the Lord for you. I feel like the Lord said this to me. If you don't stop your fast, you are going to die. <laughs> he said, I just know, if you don't eat, you die. It's just the way it is. And not only when you start, fa I mean, fasting food, people will be like, dude, you're weird. But when you start fasting even entertainment, then they think you're like, oh, then you're nuts. Then you're just like, bro, you're not even in engaged in the culture, man. Here, sit here and watch this rated R movie that's full of immorality, lust, godlessness, waste two hours, and call it becoming relevant in the culture. And just pretend in your mind like that's Jesus logic. I don't, have, I don't even a lick close to what Jesus says. We've gotten so, we're so distant from what he said. We're so entrenched in our culture. We sit around with our friends and our peers and watch nakedness, sex scenes, godlessness, and laugh about, hey, well, we kind of, you know, we weren't paying attention in that part. You'll start to have a craving for the things of God and you'll, you'll, you'll start fasting things that you think aren't even bad until you start fasting them and then it starts to dawn on you. That pollutes my spirit. There's no going back. And just wait. Every hound dog comes out smirking, looking at you. How dare you? What do you think you, who do you think you are? And you go, listen, this is not about you. I am not an arrogant Pharisee. I just don't want that in my heart. So, some of you this year, you're going to start to fast. It's going to be good days and bad days. But I want you to be ready for the scoffers that will arise. They are out there. And most of them are your friends. I'm not talking like strangers walk up and laugh at you. Hmm? I'm not talking about like, God, you know, godless pagans in your 
college algebra class that instigate a conversation because they see that you're glowing and want to know why. That is so false. I mean, I, sorry, that's what I always hear. You know, I'm going to radiate the light of God. Shut up. It's about the grace of Jesus so alive in you that you're doing stuff that puts them in a position that goes, I got to deal with the reality of the level of holiness, prayer, and devotion that that person's walking in. Some of them, you know, you know it'll change some of their lives. You know, the, mo- the easiest way to win people to Jesus is just be bananas for Jesus. And in this case, look what happens. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and he took the girl by the hand and she got up. Supernatural miracle. And then you know what happens? News of this spread through all that, re- all that region. So, you know, there was a webcam there and some blogger out somewhere else that was a devoted follower saw it. No, there's no blogs. There's no web. We're talking the people that were there that laughed spread the message when they saw the miracle. The miracle of Christ in you, the very ones that scoff, some of them will see Christ in you They'll see a love for Jesus that's beyond a religion of the culture. And the very mockers and scoffers will have a turn in their heart. How many times have the ones that most mocked Christianity and most mocked you been the ones that came back and said, tell me about this man, Jesus? How many times we sit around at Furnace Retreat and we tell our stories, our testimonies, our overcome stories, And I am so amazed how year after year, here's a common beginning. Well, I used to make fun of the furnace. I always thought it was never for me. But you know what happens? The very people that mock it, the reason why they mock it is because something's happening. It's messing with them. It's going, wait a minute. That kid kid that's praying, God's doing something in that kid. I don't. I I like desperate housewives and Super Bowl. I I don't want to have to like sit in an accountability group. Ooh, and I fasting. I love burgers and messes with them. And then before too long, some devoted young Christian. It's not about a program. Not building up a program, but a devoted Christian, someone that believes in faith and the lies of the age do not dominate their mind they live renewed colossians 3:10 on the image renewed on the image of god and what jesus says and what god says and look out and that's how the news spreads and the, some of the mockers some of the scoffers some of the laughers when they come and laugh at you that's your greatest hour cuz you know dude god's working on you dude and they're like, you're stupid. And you're like, ah, that's the evidence of Christ working on your heart. <laughs> like, no, I'm making fun of you. And you're like, I know. <laughs> and some will mock Jesus to the end. Some will laugh to the end. And no matter how you live or what you do, they will scoff unto the end. Psalm 2. 
Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. That's Jesus. This is called a messianic psalm. It means it's a prophecy about Jesus. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. Look at this. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. This is a statement of where everything ends up. Psalm 2, Revelation 11, Revelation 12, 11, similar ideas. There's a day where the scoffers hold out their fists toward God. They've been mocking him to the end. And there's a day where it is no more. And the father says, I have, an, I have placed my son. and He will be worshipped. Psalm 110 says, he will crush them to pieces. He will rule with an iron scepter. And here in Psalm 2, God says, he looks at the mockers and the scoffers that never surrendered, that never said voluntarily, Jesus is everything. And there will be a day where no longer is there opportunity. And they hold out their fists towards God. And God says, enough is enough. And the Lord laughs at them. There will be a day where the Lord scoffs. And he goes, forever those that thought that their own intellect was better than the omniscient one. That their own strength was more than the omnipotent one. That their own, what they could do with their own wealth was more than what I had in the heavens and the earth and what I created. And there will be a day where that God, the one that we love, the one that we follow says, no, not anymore. No, I have, in, I have installed my son on the holy hill. And he rules and he reigns. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess And the scripture says that God looks at those that have mocked him and it says he laughs at them. There will be a day that our God scoffs at them. And all of a sudden, this nice, sweet, pretty little, no, 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 we're talking about our God who does love and in love, one day he judges and he says, not anymore. This is the one who was, though he was rich, he became poor for you. He was crushed and he was beaten in order that you might know him. And now he sits forever enthroned and you never chose him. No, 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 no. You, you, you that thought you were everything, you that thought in your own strength and your own intellect and your own power and your own money had anything over me. And he will scoff. He will laugh. Charles Spurgeon, famous preacher. He says that will be the day that that scoff will echo down to the corridors of history. It's the eternal scoff that men will be tormented over forever. I imagine Jesus about to heal Jairus' daughter. Just heal a little girl, you know. It's like no big deal. It's Jesus. It's God. One day, every knee's gonna bow. One day, his father's gonna ha to everyone who says no to him. 
to everyone that thought that their intellect, their power, their wealth had anything compared to God. And I just wonder what goes on in Jesus' heart. He looks at Jairus and the boys. They laugh at him. I just wonder if he's sitting there going, have you read Psalm 2? You know where this thing ends up? Do you know who I am? He smiles. And in that moment, he smiles. He goes in. He heals the girl. He demonstrates compassion. And we live in this time where we willingly can go, wow, you're awesome. I repent. I want you. But we dare not. We dare not become the people that scoff to the end because God gets the last laugh. There will be a day. No one, no one stands. No one. He is all. He was supreme. He is supreme now. He will be supreme forever. And holy cabooses, what was I thinking? There will be a day. Wow, you are awesome. You are holy. And friends, we're the tribe that we take that confession and that's our confession now. We take his word and we go, that's who you are. Then, that's who you were now. That's who you are in the future. And I believe it today. And because I believe it, I'm gonna spend time with you. Because I believe it, I wanna pray. I wanna pray a lot. I want the word of God inside of me. I want to have a purpose and a mission that's all about Jesus and Jesus' name rather than my comfort and my name. I want it to be all about you. And we get that today. And people will go, ha, that's foolish. And you'll go, uh-uh. You have no idea where this thing ends up. You have no, he is awesome. He is really a big deal. He really is a Jesus. God gets the last laugh. We need to fear him today. Don't allow any scoffer stand in your way. Don't allow any mocker keep you from the fullness of a soft heart, a belief that prayer matters, a belief that God is who he said he is, and because he is who he said he is, he's worth giving all. And our little furnace tribe where we set up these little structures pales in comparison. It's like, it's like the cookies are on the bottom shelf compared to where you want to go in God. It's not an attainment and a medal. I'm in the furnace and I do these, no, no, no. It's like, oh, a furnace, like, like, like barely, the, barely the beginning of where I want to go. It's like child's play. It's like preschool. It's like kindergarten. And I want to go so much further. Ready to be mocked? Ready to be scoffed at? Ready to, be, to live a life in the presence of your enemies? The presence of those who scoff at God and it's so strong that they go, who are you and what is this God? That's where we wanna go. Place your hand over your heart, let me pray for you. Jesus, we just say there's no God like our God. And we take you at your word. We say that you are true. Yesterday, today, forever, no one compares to you. God, may we never read what you've said to do in your word and laugh at it and mock it. 
May we never give in to the philosophy of the age. Lethargy, contentment with zero encounter. Holy Spirit, do a work You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.